we're back! Welcome to Nerd Nebula, episode 2. As always, I'm your host, Raz, and I'm joined by... Jacob. Jacob, the lovely Jacob. How are you today, sir? I am fantastic. Went out and had some tacos, had a little bit of ice cream. It was, it's been a great day. Yeah, it's been quite a nice day, if a bit cold. If a bit cold. Got a little bit cold towards the end, but it's starting to warm up, starting to become summer. I just had a warm shower, and now I can record this podcast in the comfort of my home. Nice. So it's all it's all good. All right, Jacob. Yes. We have some good things and some bad things to talk about. Yeah. And I feel like people like to get the bad stuff out the way first, so we shall talk about the bad topics, and then we'll talk about the topics that make us feel good to end the show. Oh, I, I, li- I like that plan. I like that plan. Excellent. Now, the bad stuff goes around a specific video game company. <laughs> The infamous one at the moment. They seem to be on every gaming news site, every podcast. Everyone's sort of umming and ahhing about what's going to happen to these guys. I think everyone is kind of done with their shit. (laughs) In case you are wondering, listeners, the company we're talking about is none other than EA Games. Yep. EA Games, where to start with this fucking train wreck? I don't even know where to start with them. The Everything from Battlefield through to fucking FIFA through to anything they touch just... Turns to complete shit. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the Star Wars Battlefront games. The original two were some of the most played games of mine on oh, PS2. I had, a, I had a copy of Battlefront 1, like the original Battlefront, when you couldn't play as the Jedi, it was just troopers versus troopers, yeah. and we played it so much that the disc was unplayable, it was that scratched, and oh, we, we'd God still damn. try, we'd still try. And then EA, many, many years later, came in and fucked it all up. Reboot it. Instead of giving us Battlefront 3 three that they were meant to give us they completely restarted it and screwed the entire intellectual property pretty much and uh, one of the reasons how they uh, did such a colossal fuck up with not only star wars Battlefront, but with many other many other ips that they have is the introduction of loot boxes Ugh. if anyone who is listening to this and not aware of what loot boxes are it's basically gambling yeah what you do is you pay for a randomly generated um, loot box and uh, after you pay for this um, box it gives you an item or a skin or a weapon something that you can use in game for your um, online character you can't control what you get given so it's the luck of the draw. So yeah, basically gambling. Yeah. It would have been well. I, I was gonna say it would have been fine if it was just in Battlefront. It's not okay that it's in Battlefront, but it's no. in every single one of EA's yeah. games. They see that that sort of microtransactiony, uh, freemium-ish uh, business model worked so well for. Uh, mobile games and you know games on ipad and all that sort of stuff 
that they tried to implement that in their console and pc games and it's just i mean you're already paying like what in new zealand we pay about a hundred dollars for a brand new game well it used yeah. to be a hundred dollars now it's like 120 to 150 depending on the game and yeah. then you got the special edition ones when that's an extra sixty dollars for like a skin or something fallout 76 are doing a, a great wee uh special pack and you get like a full power armor helmet which is pretty cool yeah i like mean some, something some out games... of game so, some a lot of games these days are still doing that but a lot aren't doing any physical thing you're getting you know your day, day one dlc you're getting what's the word i'm looking for you're getting in-game items and stuff but yeah. you're not getting anything that you couldn't that you can hold in your hands and you're yeah. paying out out the ass for it that's here but even in the states where it's like $60 for a game, they're still asking these abhorrent microtransactions so that they can uh, fill their coffers up with more and more money. Yeah. EA basically knows no bounds when it comes to greed. No, no, they're insanely greedy. And their greed has landed them in some hot water as of late. Do you know what I am talking about, Jacob? I'm I'm assuming you're talking to them being under criminal investigation by the Belgian government. <laughs> which oh. is a weird sentence to say out loud about a a game <laughs> publisher. Because, I mean, they're not, they're not really a game company. They just, they just yeah. publish big IPs. Can you imagine 10 years ago saying EA Games is under criminal investigation for gambling? Just the whole sentence just sounds ludicrous. But yeah. this is the world that we live in now. It's so bizarre. Basically, the entire story is EA has implemented uh, loot boxes in uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 in 2017 and has been warned to have them removed by the Belgian government because it violates gambling laws over there. Yeah. The Belgian government has also warned Blizzard, 2K, and Valve, which all have turned off the uh, loot box system in yeah. Belgium. Yeah. But not EA. Oh, not EA. They, they thought they were too big to fail sort of thing, and yeah. it's coming back to bite them in the ass. They have been issued a cease and desist order by the Belgian government over FIFA 18 and FIFA 19. Both of those games now are, um, I'm pretty sure they are banned from the uh, country, and uh, because of those games, the company EA can be taken to court for um, pretty much breaking international gambling law. Which is, again, such an absurd thing to say. Yeah, especially about a, like... It's sad that it's come to that at all. It's sad that the gaming companies have become so money-hungry. Like, I can understand they need to make ends meet. And they're sinking a lot of money into these into these IPs to get them made. Yeah. Like, from the ground up, there's a lot going into them. But to try and milk people for loot boxes... You are just doing that. You are milking every cent that some people are making. And there's definitely the the gambling addiction. And I've seen it happen to a few of my friends. They, they, they're sort of like, oh, yeah, sweet. I've got to buy like a whole bunch of loot boxes this week. And that's the rest of my pay. That's all I can do. Oh, that's horrible. 
EA actually fuels into this gambling addiction by promising players so many, so much better rewards for buying these loot boxes. And it's actually preying on an addiction, which is, to me, is fucking abhorrent. Yeah. Are there no depths that EA isn't willing to sink to? At this point, I don't think there is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gaming in itself is... A very addictive thing and i know a lot of people that lose lose their lives to games like world of warcraft and stuff they're playing on that side of everything they're playing on that that need to compete with everyone else and to be the best and to have the most gear and they're preying on that and making you pay your way to get those sort of things yeah which yeah. is just despicable yeah and um from this news comes a uh, very interesting conspiracy theory the ex-vice president of ea let's see if i Mm. can get the uh name right patrick soderland i think that's how you say his um last name has made 48.3 million us dollars last year Mm. more than half of that comes from a bonus he got for his implementation of said loot boxes into ea's games that bonus was $27.6 million. And in August of this year, after um, EA has gotten into some hot water with the Belgian government over the gambling issue, he um, um, just up and quits. Yeah. Maybe it's just bad timing. Maybe he wants to leave for a while because he has been working with EA for more than 20 years. But... To a more skeptical mind, it kind of sounds like he came in, did his job implementing gambling into the games, made his money from it, and then said, see ya suckers, and fucked off. Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't be a fool for thinking that he sort of saw that things were getting a wee bit rough and decided to jump ship before it, he hit the rocks. But I don't I don't know if we can really speculate too much at that sort of stuff. I know what you mean. It's just, to me, it sounds like a very odd coincidence that he would just drop such a high-paying position at the um, height of his career, Yeah, you might say, exactly when EA was getting into some illegal trouble. Yeah, yeah. Me, for one, I think there's some truth behind it, even if it's not fully there, but, you know... Yeah, it's kind of hard to gauge whether or not, without seeing interviews with him, he definitely strikes me as a very business-oriented person, and he 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 obviously wasn't in it for the love of making games. He was there to make money. Yeah, he was there and to make money. And he made a fuckload of it. Made an obscene amount of money. It's more money than I will probably see in my entire fucking life. Probably. Yeah, probably. He's made more uh, money in a year than you will make in your entire life. And that 10 people would make in their entire lives. I would kill for just $1 million. The guy has made off with 48.3. And that's just from the last year, let alone what else he built up over over his time at EA. Yeah. But at least for me, my hatred for EA doesn't stem from just loot boxes. They have fucked over a lot of gaming companies and their respective IPs. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite horror franchises, at least in terms of video games, Dead Space. Such a great series of games. Oh, 
even just thinking about it now, it just makes me angry about how they fucked it up. Visceral Games, the company that created Dead Space, worked tirelessly for three entries. Mm -hmm. And then after the third one didn't meet EA's expectations, they pretty much just killed off the franchise and shut down Visceral Games. Such a shame. And in the video game industry, if you're working for a video game company, you're not really assured that you're going to move to a different project or like a different company. Yeah. You're normally working on a specific project, like, for example, Dead Space. And when uh, that project ends, you might be um, reassigned or you might find that you don't have a job. And in yeah. the terms of your company shutting down... <laughs> I'm scared to think what happened to all those employees. Like, did they move over to EA or... I can imagine a lot of them would have got swallowed into the um, the moors of EA, but I reckon the, the there would have been a lot of people that ended up jobless. And that's... I mean, part of that is living in the tech industry. It's, it's yeah. very volatile, and one day you could be making big bank working on your dream job, and the next day you're jobless and you've got to go scrounge to make ends meet and that, that's the problem with a lot of the tech industry not just in game design and everything but every aspect of tech and popular culture look at people making yeah. movies sometimes they'll finish a movie and then not be able to do anything for a year other people are constantly in work it all depends on you and yeah i don't, I don't know i can imagine there was a fair few people left out of sorts after that yeah uh all right. Well, um, I think it's time to move away from the um, sad and depressing topics. Yeah. But before we go, I just want to rip a bit into 2K Games, who have been begging, right? They have been begging their players to talk to their government officials in um, Europe to allow 2K Games to continue their implementation of loot boxes. Yeah, that, that is, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. How desperate can you be for more money that you're willing to ask your consumer base to talk to their government officials to allow you to implement your fucking gambling? Yeah, it's that... mind-blowing how they sort of have the audacity to do that. Like, please talk to your government officials so that we can take more of your money after we take your money. I know, it's... One of those things where I kind of hate them, but I have to respect just the sheer balls on them. If nothing else, it shows they're dedicated to their greed. Either that or it's a sign that that company is not doing well. Yeah. But that's all of the um, bad stuff that I want to talk about. Now let's get into stuff that we like. Mm-hmm. And I think you have two things that you want to talk about or oh, or yes. inform me about. So yes. I will let you take it away. Okay, so I read a lot of books growing up. A lot of fantasy and sci-fi sort of books, mainly. And one of my favorite series, it is hands down my favorite fantasy trilogy of all time, the Magician Trilogy or what is it the the rift war trilogy sorry which is the magician book and uh they are looking at making it into a tv show with the original writer of the book raymond e feist as an executive producer 
on the show and i am very excited because it the writing style leans itself towards cinematic or tv very very well it's the way it's written and everything it even as a teenager i could always see it turning into a show or a movie preferably like eight movies because he's like (laughs) 40 books in the series now i think holy shit okay yeah he's he's been a busy boy over the last like 15 20 years and it's, so, um, it seems like he actually just finished the the world. So he's finished writing books in that series, which, I mean, he's got one up on George R.R. R. Martin there. At least when they're making a show about this, it's going to be finished. So they can they have enough source material to choose from. But, right. um, yeah, very, very epic high fantasy. It is fantastic. And I am very, very interested to see what happens with this. I'm following it with bated breath. There right, hasn't right. been much details that I've seen come out about it. I've seen a couple of posts from Raymond E. Feist himself being, saying how excited he is about everything. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing some of the concept art and seeing some trailers soon, hopefully. Yeah. All right, all right. That all sounds very good. But uh, for people like me who who are not exactly aware of what the uh, book series is about can you give us a slight plot synopsis it's your semi-standard uh high fantasy with uh your wizards and your knights and your goblins and your orcs and uh, elves it's sort of very reminiscent of uh lord of the rings style stuff but without without feeling like just another fantasy book there's some great, great stories in there. I really don't want to spoil it for anyone, and I don't know how to talk about it without spoiling heaps of it. Okay. So I I really just encourage everyone to go out and read the Magician book. The first book in the first trilogy is an absolute masterpiece. If, if it All takes right. your fancy, keep going with it. If not, wait until the TV show's out and give that a hoon. All right, all right. And... There was a second thing that you want to talk about, something that you were very, very excited about. Yes. So the final trailer and a release date has been announced for Mortal Engines, which is another book series I read when I was a a young lad. Uh, That one I am very much looking forward to. I've got a couple of friends that work for Weta, and they aren't allowed to tell me anything, but all they have told me, they, they sort of put their hand on my shoulder and goes, mate. It's going to be incredible. And I lost all skepticism about that. I was very, very skeptical when I heard that Peter Jackson was going to be doing it. Not because I don't trust him, but because I want him to do justice to it. But I know how much of a fan he is of Mortal Engines. He's always wanted to do these books, apparently. So I'm very, very glad that he is the one to do it. If anyone was going to do it justice, it's going to be Peter Jackson, I think. Took me a while to come to that conclusion, but no, I, I think he is going to do very, very well. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing that, probably on release day, December 6th. All right. And you said uh, that there's three books and it's going to be condensed three into books. one movie. From what I saw in the trailer, it looks as though it has been condensed into one movie, but... That was very much a, a trilogy of books that made me four books. I can't remember. And it's very, very long. And there's lots of side stories and that sort of stuff. But they could be sort of whittled down to a couple of conversations. And oh, okay. condensed for a, enough for a movie. 
and I, I reckon it will flow pretty well. And at least then you're not sort of, oh, yeah, this book was just sort of filler and backstory, so it's all flashbacks and flash forwards, and you don't want another Hobbit trilogy. I mean, that wasn't the greatest for the amount of no, money they spent no. on it. It was, they were good movies, don't get me wrong. But they didn't make you want to come back and binge them a week later like yeah. the Lord of the Rings movies did. And I think everyone sort of had this idea of what they wanted from the hobbit because it's such a loved book and they stretched out to three movies and it didn't didn't really pay off as well as as well as they'd hoped which is a shame because it was a great great book yeah i feel like the problems with the hobbit is that they tried to make it and they did make it into um three movies yeah the a book isn't really that big and trying to like stretch it out into three yeah. what two and a half hour movies oh the last one was like three and a half hours i'm pretty sure oh jesus christ okay that was their folly they they tried to make it more epic than it needed to be which yeah. they didn't need to do it it was a simple story that should have been two movies at best yeah yeah but yeah, Mortal Engines. I'm th- I'm thinking it'll boil down to one very very nice movie, and it's it's a great premise. And from what I saw of the special effects, it's going to be amazing. Giant cities rolling around on tank tracks and wheels, and swallowing other cities, and devouring them, and stripping them for the resources to build themselves bigger. That's just it's an epic, epic idea for a world, and it's going to be. I reckon it's going to be a very, very fun movie. I've got high hopes for it. I'm hoping not to be let down. And I'm hoping yeah. that Peter Jackson doesn't doesn't betray my childhood too much. <laughs> right on. From what you said with the um, roaming castles and... like Yeah, roaming, um, roaming cities. And, it, and it's yeah, the, oh, yeah. the, the great cities of the world. So, like, the the, the main city that the, the movie and the book takes place in is London. Oh, to right. start with and it's it's rolling around on giant tank tracks and and it's a giant city that moves slowly but it swallows other cities and oh it's sounds gonna, it's like gonna make a, some like fantastic a, imagery sounds like a steampunk version of mad max in a way this this was a long time before steampunk really became the the in thing but i think i think it definitely was uh, sort of steampunk before steampunk all right well I'm definitely going to look forward to uh, that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon you're really going to enjoy that one. And speaking of things that gets me excited, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. comic books. Yep. And especially one comic book movie, which I had very little faith in until yep. I saw the second extended trailer. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about, Jacob? I, I have a feeling that uh, Jason Momoa is on your mind. Oh, he's always on my mind, but <laughs> <laughs> but now for a completely different reason. Aquaman. Yeah. Mate, when I first heard that they're making an Aquaman movie, I said, it's not going to work. There's no way they're going to be able to turn Aquaman into a live action hero. But then I saw Justice League and I was like, you know, the movie's not that great, but I really like Jason Momoa's portrayal of Aquaman. And then I saw the second X in the trailer. Mm -hmm. And holy shit. Have you seen the trailer, Jacob? Not yet. Then I'm going to build up hype for you a bit. 
Play. I'm gonna tell you what I really liked about the um, trailer and how they are changing the DC formula. Good. Yeah, good, because so far they haven't had a... a uh... They haven't had a successful run the last couple of movies. I mean, apart from, like, Wonder Woman, that was pretty good. That did really, really well, and it was a really well-made movie, and Gal Gadot played that role fantastically. Yeah. Ben Affleck makes a better Batman than I expected him to, but not quite good enough to beat out Christian Bale for me. And Christian Bale isn't even my favourite Batman, but we won't go there. But We're talking but about... The, the whole movie itself wasn't that great. E- yeah. Either of uh, the last two that Batman's been in unfortunately right i'm gonna say this though it looks a lot more inviting than any other dc movie the reason for that is it actually has fucking color in it it you doesn't mean it's have not entirely washed out i know it actually has reds blues purples and they all stand out for example uh, there is one character who has red hair and that red hair stands out in a good way it, it makes um, the movie actually look like a panel of a comic book but in a very good way mm, interesting because the color grading in a lot of those movies has been very very washed out and dull and yeah depressing and dark and morbid yeah. but not all of the comics had that sense to them which kind of I... made it a wee bit hard to buy into all of that like batman's definitely meant to be dark yeah superman not so much superman is a jovial character who he yes he he can be serious but he jokes a lot he's a character that loves life and to see him just be a uh, a bit of a wooden plank throughout most of the dc movies so far it just kind of hurts yeah. With this one, they bring in humor. Not like Marvel-level humor, but enough that it fit the kind of Aquaman that Jason Momoa is going to portray in the movie. Because so far, he hasn't become, you know, the king of Atlantis. He has no responsibility. He's more of a wild card. Yeah. So having him just joke about throughout the movie as he gains more and more responsibility fits the character and the world he is in yeah this is gonna be a bit of a weird one if you're not into music the music now incorporates synth loops for some reason with me it creates a whole nother dimension to the uh, soundtrack like, it's not just the one or two note ominous music or the action sequence. It creates more of a bombastic feel to everything, which makes you more excited. Like, watch the trailer when you have time. Yeah. There is one specific chase scene in it. And just notice the synth loops in the background. It makes the scene so much more enjoyable. I'll definitely look out for it. The last thing I want to talk about in regards to Aquaman, I didn't think they could make the uh, classic outfit work. Yeah. If, if you know the classic outfit, it's the uh, gold and the bluish green pants. I always thought it looked silly. It looked out of the 1980s era of comic books. But seeing it on screen, I'm like, oh, it looks regal. It looks imposing. It, it looks like something a king would wear in battle. His own personalized armor. Interesting. Yes, it does look I, a I, bit I, clung- I was I was wondering how that outfit would work. Because it's very of a bygone era in comics. It's very... 
as you said, it's very 80s. That's about all I can say. It looks a bit clunky. I'm not going to say that it doesn't, but it fits the whole King motif. I'll, I'll definitely have to look out for that too. I'm always oh. I'm always interested to see how comic book costumes for superheroes and for anything translates to the big screen. Because, I mean, they want to keep it true to the original to a point, but you also want to add your own spin and you want to make it so that it fits the entire movie and the themes that you're going for. It's it's a very hard, hard job to get the design of all this sort of stuff down. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. how they do with the Aquaman costume. I reckon that's going to be a very tricky one to pull off and have it dance that fine line between paying homage to the old but also keeping it nice and modern well drawing to the end of episode two here before we do i just want to address some um, hype that i have and i know that you have some hype for it as well the um obvious one is red dead redemption 2 mm. 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 which i thought was coming out this friday <laughs> oh the look on your face when we had to break your heart and tell you that you had another week to wait uh, oh it, it it honestly left me drained for like five seconds oh <laughs> uh, i fully thought it was coming out this friday but with all the news about the game the very small details that i've been reading about the game it just uh, i can't wait to get my grubby hands on it I think the latest news from it is that if you turn the um, mini-map off, characters in the world will actually tell you how to get to your uh, destination. I didn't see that. That is awesome. Yeah, it's just those very small details that amp me up about this game so fucking much. They're trying to make it as immersive as possible, and that's just... Oh, I love that. I don't know why they added in... Have you seen the bit about the horse's testicles shrinking in the cold? <laughs> yes, I have. It's a... I laughed so much when I heard that. And now I just want to... It kind of made me want to go and ride around on a horse, find a cold spot and see if his nuts shrivel up. But <laughs> I also don't want to be that guy that goes out of his way to see if a horse's nuts shrink. Uh, it it will definitely will. raise a few um, eyebrows yeah i think we talked about red dead redemption 2 on the first technically episode zero and in episode one so uh we're gonna move away to another game that's coming out a few days after it that not Mm. many people know but i definitely am definitely extremely under the radar a bit hasn't it yeah like it got announced at e3 and then just the pardon the wee pun here, but the the cult following has sort of <laughs> stayed with it and has kept up with it, but it's not garnering the big attention like the stuff like uh, Red Dead Redemption and stuff is getting. Yeah. And that game is Call of Cthulhu. Mm. Based, of course, on the now insanely popular Cthulhu Mythos by H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a um, retelling I think, of the shadow over Innsmouth, but with a different location, a bit of a change in story and characters, but the main focus will be story elements from that novella, I think. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they're sort of going to incorporate little bits and pieces of each of the books regarding Cthulhu. 
I don't know if you watched, but I watched a uh, stream of the first hour of gameplay. See, you telling me about that before we started this was the first time that I heard about this. And I'm kind of shocked and annoyed at myself for not knowing that beforehand because I'm going to watch that probably tomorrow. Go into like YouTube and type in Call of Cthulhu one hour stream or first hour stream and uh, it should be one of the first videos. It starts off as the first Call of Cthulhu game. Uh, with the whole um, detective waking up with like nightmares and then being uh, tasked with finding a missing uh, person. But what got me interested more into the game is that it departs from the um, shadow over Innsmouth story and goes in a different direction while still holding the same story elements intact. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain. You need to watch the first hour stream to fully grasp what I'm trying to convey here, which I know isn't the best way to just talk about it, but it's the only way I can can actually explain it. I'm definitely going to have to go and watch it. The game is very uh, dark and dreary and uh, just kind of fucking depressing to, like, look at, but that's what makes it beautiful. It's what makes a a good Call of Cthulhu game. And the last thing I want to say is that the voice acting it just did there's just something about the way the characters speak that really fits a hp lovecraft story it's one of those things where you need to be familiar with the works of hp lovecraft once you watch a bit of the gameplay and the characters talking and interacting you'll be like yep yeah, that's an hp lovecraft story all right cool i'm i'm really glad that it seems like someone's going to be doing it right because i mean i've got big love for the Cthulhu universe and mythos. It's making my dark little heart sing with joy, an emotion I'm not familiar with, <laughs> at the thought of someone doing it and doing it right. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of on the fence. Part of me wants to not look into anything about it and then play it and then just absorb the whole lot. And part of me wants to learn everything I can about it as soon as I can, like stay up all night tonight reading about it (laughs) well jacob is there anything else that you would want to say or feel like you left anything out i feel like i feel like we got to everything that we had written down pretty much i've all right i want to i want to see more about this magician series the rift war saga i want to know some more about that and i want to see some more about aquaman and yeah. some more about Call of Cthulhu. And other than that, I think I'm... I, I'm At least I'm taking something away from this. I want to learn more. Yeah. Well, that's what I hope people take away from this, is that they're, they get excited about stuff that we like, because that's the whole yeah. point of us yeah. doing this kind of podcast thing. Yeah. Without any other things, I think we shall end episode two here. Without further ado, take it away. Thank you for uh, joining us for episode two, listeners. And until episode three comes out, take care of each other and we'll see you soon. Hail Satan. (laughs) Uh, Good one.